Welcome to the Soul Grit Podcast. I'm Ann Taylor McNeese, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I also love Jesus, and I'm passionate about all things gospel and therapy. I created Soul Grit to be at the intersection of mental health and Christian faith. Christ followers need a place to ask questions and get answers about mental health. Join me as we dive into real stories and real questions from people who want to honor God with their hearts, souls, and minds. Welcome back to the Soul Grit Podcast. This is Anne, and I'm here for the second week with my friend Robin Shear. She is the Joy Coach Robin of Joy to the World Coaching, and she was here with us last week where we did a first live in-person session where Robin actually coached me. I got to be the client. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go ahead and pause this one, go back and listen to that one, come back. We'll be here because we want you to hear the whole process. What is joy coaching? Why do we want more joy? And how does Robin help people do that? So today we're going to jump back in and dig a little bit deeper. Robin is going to help me unlock some things in my life that are going to help me have more joy. So first of all, Robin, welcome back. Thank you. So glad to be back. Yeah, it's so fun. So even in the in the meantime between recording the first episode and this episode, Robin and I have been growing our friendship through phone calls and um just being able to rely on each other for prayer and different things. So this is really fun to be able to bring this to you um from our hearts because I'm going to get real vulnerable on this one and Robin's going to help me and I can't can't wait for you guys to see her skills in action and then maybe learn a little bit more about me and hopefully you'll be inspired to get more joy in your lives too. So I'm going to hand over the reins to Robin. She's going to lead us in this session. Awesome. Oh, I'm so excited that you're willing to do this. Um, I loved our first conversation. I, I, I was so appreciative of your willingness to be a regular human being, you know, just not a person who, needs to appear to have it all together, but a a person who likes for people to appreciate that, but is also willing to just say, I need to grow here or I've been considering this other thing. And I think that that, you know, will really appeal to people. And so I just want to start out by saying thank you for that. So I sure hope so. (laughs) I I hope so too. It was a fun conversation. And I, you know, I, I learned a lot about you and, you know, what you're seeking. And I think that that really is going to be important for anybody who's seeking joy to just kind of figure out why, and then let that guide the process. Because as you found out, like, it's not always easy and it takes, it takes some digging and some work. And sometimes it takes looking at things from a different lens. And to be honest, we don't always want to go there. And yet in the past, when we have done that in other situations, we realize this was really good for me. I yeah. really needed that. Right. Yeah. So, yep. So this is one of those times as well. So, yep. Last time we laid the foundation and then, you know, this time, I think the first thing that I really want to dig into, and this is something that the people listening can do as they, as they listen along, I want to dig into what brings joy to you as an individual and 
we we're using your definition. So Mm -hmm. let's backtrack a little bit. Tell us what your definition is and then we'll go from there. Well, gosh, I think you have my answers in front of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since I answered the question, but I think about that um, deep, um, not just happiness because happiness changes, but a deep hope that things will always work out or that things will be good, that God is good, that I can be content in him. And that I can, I can seek those little thrills of um, creativity or beauty that he provides in this life to have those moments of happiness. Hmm. Wow. That is, that's such a cool definition. Okay. So using that as our foundation, then, you know, the next question is what are some things that make that happen for you? What are some things that bring true joy to you? Yeah. Well, Let's see. Let's go. Okay. I'm going to share a a really recent experience, which is kind of funny because it was with my family and none of the other members of my family experienced as much joy as I did. (laughs) So (laughs) we, um, over the Thanksgiving holiday, our plans changed and we ended up having a last minute trip out to Joshua tree national park. And I knew that it's a really popular area for stargazing because there's no lights at all out there in the desert except for cars. So we planned to stay into the evening when the stars came out this time of year, that's what six o'clock in the evening. So (laughs) we found a big flat rock and laid down as a family on the rock and looked up at the sky and counted as the stars were coming out. And for me, that was a really joyful and peaceful experience. Now, my husband got bored, my children got cold and everybody started complaining and we didn't get to stay out there for as long as I would have preferred, but I actually got to be the only person in the family that saw a shooting star. So mm-hmm. I, I had a lot of joy in that experience, not because I'm into astronomy or anything like that, but I think it reminded me of something from earlier life, like teenage, young adulthood, where I had the margin to just lay out and look at stars. I lived in an area where there wasn't smog and um, light pollution, so (laughs) I could actually see stars, and that was really meaningful. But I think what what tied that together for me is just uh, being outside. Um, I love hiking, camping, being at the beach. I could do that all day long. And a lot of my job and my role as mom and all of that, I don't get to be outside as much as I would prefer to. But I think that is one of those things that gives me joy. That is great. Um, What I love about your answer is that you dug deeper into the why. It wasn't just, I really love laying and looking at the stars. You already went a step deeper. So you saved me the next question. (laughs) This is what I want people to do because we can't always replicate that exact experience, but if we get the why behind it, then we can get creative and find other things that fit that why. Right. And so the two things that I heard you say are, you know, it reminds you of being younger when you were a teenager and you're with your family and you lived in a place where, you know, you could do things like that. And so when that is something that fills your joy bucket, I think that we want to allow that to work for you as often as we can. Mm -hmm. And so when you're not feeling like yourself and joy really isn't a present, you know, situation or experience, and it's really good to go to 
this list that we're making, which by the way, I want you to write these things down okay. and, and see that you are really moved by reminders of growing up and mm. that particular time in your yeah. life. Okay. Yeah. So there's one. And then the other one that you named was really about, you know, getting lost in the wonder of being outside and appreciating what God did and what God created. Mm-hmm. And that is something that can always be present on like the brightest day and the stars aren't visible. doesn't matter. And I think this is so good too, because it's sometimes we think, you know, it has to be really complicated and man, what if we could strip it back to the most simple, basic experience? Mm-hmm. Like if somebody is listening to this in the city and you know, nature doesn't seem all that present, perhaps, and concrete and taxis are a little more present. I think that even in that situation, this is possible because, you know, the sky is there no matter where you are. Even if, you know, you're viewing the sky through the clouds or there's smog in the air, there is something in the environment that you can take in, give God credit for, and just really start to wonder how he did it yeah. and, and what good he might be using it for. Or like, you know, seriously, just looking at a pot of something growing outside of a business storefront, yeah. a pot of tomatoes or whatever. It's amazing. You know, yeah. those things didn't just happen. Like the Lord willed for every single cell within that plant to do what it had to do to form what he wanted. And it's something as simple as a plant when viewed through that lens is incredibly a joyful experience. And one time, you know, I I took a group of high schoolers out into farm country in Ohio. We drove five hours to go to this huge Christian concert and we had a ball. We loved the music. It was so loud and rowdy. There were like 10,000 kids and, The next day we went out on the farm and every student was instructed to have a completely silent hour, no cell phones, no communication with each other. They weren't allowed to be by anyone and just be present in that experience and see what God said. What did God provide for them in that moment? And oh my gosh, it was harder than heck. But once they got me on that, It was amazing. And the (laughs) stories that they came back to the cottage with and all that they experienced in the most simple things like weeds blowing in the wind that had this beautiful back and forth rhythm. It was almost like music in a visible form and their descriptions just blew them away. They couldn't believe they cared about weeds. so, (laughs) So, yep. What you said, I mean, that is a true source of joy because it's possible always. It is Good. not something that can change with the circumstances. Yeah. So, way to go. Way to kick us off. Two really good ones. <laughs> I have another one. Um, I, this one I struggle with because it's an area that trips me up sometimes too, but that would be food. Yep. <laughs> like, I love good food. I love making food for people. I love enjoying food with people. You know, it's, it's a really big deal to me. And it, I have to walk that line between abusing food or using food in for purposes that it can't 
fulfill like emotional needs, things like that. Um, but then also seeing that God provided it as a means for joy the, of means for gathering. Uh, it's, it's part of our sacraments. It's like, it's got a lot of purposes from the beginning of the Bible. When God says, you know, eat of any tree, it's like one of the first things he says to people. Right. And then the very end of the Bible, we see like the marriage supper of the lamb, like there's food going throughout the whole thing. And mm -hmm. God gave me a very intense appreciation for it. <laughs> Yeah, I got that's a lot so of interesting. Yeah. I think that's so cool. And you know, I think for some people, food would actually qualify as more of a source of happiness mm. than as a source of joy. Because when we rely on it for that short-term rush, mm -hmm. and then we really find ourselves longing and seeking for that experience again when it ends. Mm -hmm. It can be really problematic yeah, and not what God intended. And so often, you know, when we use food improperly and we seek it, you know, to, to be something that it's not, that's when we have those experiences. Mm -hmm. And so what, when you were describing this, you were, you were digging deeper than that because you were thinking about God's intention for food yeah. and, you know, the way that he provides for us and has from the very beginning. And so, you know, embracing that meal can just be recognition of just how much you appreciate his provision for your life. Mm -hmm. And what's cool is that can happen whether food is present or not, yeah. right? It isn't the food. It's, it's like the digging deeper of why it's so meaningful, but then also, like you said, something else that could be a separate item on your, on your joy bucket list. And, and you know, that would be, you talked about the social aspect and the yeah. shared gathering, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so can you elaborate on that a little bit more? Sure. Like uh, I have weeks, I mean, obviously I, I cook for my family and m I would say probably four to five nights a week I'm cooking from scratch, but um, usually about between one and three evenings out of that, we're sharing a meal with someone else. So I have, um, a friend that comes over outstanding Tuesday night date and always cooking for her. We have our small group over, we're sharing a potluck meal for that. Um, recently I've started feeding my, um, son's piano teacher, just a younger single girl. And I'm like, what you want, you want what we got. And she's thankful for it. And it gives me joy to give it to her. And so I think those opportunities that I have to cook and share what I have with other people are really meaningful to me. The conversations that you have around meals, um, meeting people's needs that way. And then, uh, also like I try to keep maybe once or twice a week to have an opening where I can just go out for either coffee or lunch or something with a friend to kind of have that, those deep restorative kinds of conversations where, you know, you're not working, you're not with kids, you're just with a friend who you can mutually share what's going on in your life. And that's pretty meaningful to me as well. Wow. So there was a lot there. 
right? It might be the food stuff, but it might also be the people stuff. It's something about that combination of that is very joyful for me. <laughs> yeah. And again, if this were on video, people would see your face light up as you described that to me. It was really apparent that it was a, it was a true thing. You know, it was obvious. It was your whole face changed as you talked about making food for others Mm -hmm. and like your son's piano teacher. I I saw that look on your face (laughs) and I just thought, this is real. She loves to give. This is one of those ways that you clearly show love to people. Mm And so that, that alone, like that's a standalone joy bucket filler, yeah. just giving in some capacity and food is one great example. And, and, you know, you do a lot of cooking and it like comes from the heart. And so it's, it totally like lines up with the It's better to give than receive thing because you're giving and you are so receiving at the same time. Yeah. And what's beautiful here is that you find joy in the giving. And I would be curious whether giving of other things brings you a similar type of joy. Like it could be, you know, time, it could be monetary resources. Like, does anything come up for you as you think about giving? Yeah, I think another area where I walk a fine line is because I'm a therapist. Like I I give people my attention and my listening every single day you know? And so sometimes I want to do that for people outside of the therapy office too. And I walk a line between, I want to be able to give you this, but it's not an appropriate role for me to like become your therapist or anything like that. Like yesterday, when you and I were talking on the phone, you're like, I apologize. It sounds like I wanted free therapy. And I was like, no, because you're my friend and I'm honored that you would choose to come to me when you have something to talk through, you know? I want to be able to do that for people. So I, I have to walk that line of having good boundaries and, and having some self-preservation in there where I don't overextend myself. But I would definitely say like giving of my, my time, my wisdom, my listening ear, those are things like my husband and I are very diligent and communicating with each other when it comes to like financial giving. But I think I'm really blessed when I have a husband that wants to give to missionaries or give to people in need, or it's never been a question if we're going to give to our church or things like that. So we have, we both experience a blessing. That's kind of a joint blessing and being able to give to people financially or, or um, physically. That's awesome. Because honestly, that is something that also will always be a a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. As God provides for you, you have so much blessing to provide and share with others and it can be done on so many levels and it seems like you know the more we give the more we're given to give and you know if that is something that brings joy to you then be sure to put that on your list because rarely do people think of that one yeah later they might you know as they kind of dig into this a little bit but generally when i ask people what brings joy to them you know, they struggle a little, which is so common. It's not a question that they're asked very frequently. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it needs time, but then so often, you know, we think of, you know, those kind of tangible things, you know, my family brings me joy, which I'm, I'd love that. I think that that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might, they might name that they might say, you know, my job brings me joy. You know, we kind of dig into that a little bit because what happens when the job changes or whatever, But then those deeper things 
take time and giving is one of those, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't usually make anyone's top 10 list on the first date when we have this <laughs> conversation. <laughs> and I'm glad that we're doing this because yeah. my guess is there are going to be people listening that go, Oh, I totally get what she's saying. and never would have thought of that. Yeah. And so, you know, they put that on their list and when things are just flat, yeah. go to the list and ask yourself, wow, like when is the last time that I gave something mm-hmm. to someone, you mm-hmm. know, who am I, who am I serving? Who am I reaching out to? Maybe it's been a while and mm-hmm. a simple act of generosity and kindness could get things going again, back in a joyful direction. Yeah. And I imagine for some people that overgive, they have to kind of uh-huh. go the, the other way when they're looking for joy because they've been burnt out. <laughs> yep. Oh, believe me. Yeah. We can go too far. It's like too much of anything is not necessarily a good thing. I mean, if you, you know, know that you need 25 grams of fiber in your diet every day because it's good for you. And you normally eat two grams a day and all of a sudden you jump up to 25. <laughs> let me tell you, that's not going to be a good but thing. Makes me so, Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. No joy. <laughs> so, yep. It's really about, you know, those boundaries, like you were talking about earlier and the people that I generally work with are the givers. These yeah, are the bet. people that I am drawn to, right? Because like attracts like, and I, I am a giver by nature. That's how I am wired and also how I was raised. You know, my mother is so giving. Oh my gosh. And my sister, she would give you the shirt off of her back, like probably for real. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to see that. But anyway, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that's just so normal to me does put me at risk and others at risk of overdoing it because yes. it feels so good. And there are always going to be needs yeah. everywhere you look, right? It, it could make you crazy if you really gave to every single thing that you could possibly give to. Right. And, you know, um, burnout is definitely something that I am on a mission to help people prevent mm-hmm. having been there from overgiving. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many of us can relate to this. And so, yep, it's really about recognizing, yes, it is so good to find joy in giving, but where else? Where else can we find it? Because if that's our only source of joy and our identity, we get in trouble. We get in trouble and we burn out. And then, you know, a person with no joy in their bucket is just an apathetic, you know, uncaring, flat, gray person. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad. It's, it breaks my heart when I see that happen. Cause I have been there. I know exactly what that feels like. And it is awful. Mm-hmm. And I would, I just would love to help people prevent that. And yeah. one of the ways is by taking care of ourselves along the way. In fact, I'm going to just kind of steal this and say that one source of joy for people could be self-care. I hope that it is. But for me, I can say on a personal level, like when I stop the madness, and ask myself a question so simple, like, what do I need right now? Man, just asking myself the question Mm -hmm. is often like a bucket filler. Suddenly I start feeling like I matter again. Yeah. And, oh, it feels so good. And that, that really is a source of joy for me. So self-care, I'm going to just give people the cliff notes version who are listening, consider whether self-care should go on your list. If not, I really want you to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. What are your thoughts around that as being a source of joy? Uh, so 
I would say like in, in the mental health community, self-care has been a buzzword for the last five or 10 years. And I think it's gotten kind of uh, watered down in a way where, or, or cheapened (laughs) almost Mm -hmm. because when we say self-care, a lot of times people will go to, well, I can't get a pedicure. I don't like taking a bath doesn't do it for me. And they think of these kind of external, um, pampering things as self-care. And Mm -hmm. so we have to challenge ourselves and each other on, okay, self-care is a little deeper than that. Like self-care could be, um, taking a nap or it could be like going to the dentist because you haven't had your teeth cleaned in a while (laughs) or keeping your doctor's appointments. It could be making time to um, sit down with a good friend over coffee. It could be uh, reading a fiction book because you haven't read anything in a while that just makes you happy. Um, It could be (laughs) like, um, it could be cooking a meal for someone that instead of you know, running to fast food or something like that, like having something wholesome that could be self-care. Like, um, I think we have to stretch ourselves a little bit deeper and, and to think what actually restores us. And that's why at the end of every episode, I ask about soul care because I'm Mm -hmm. signaling to people that it's deeper than just painting your toenails, (laughs) you know, it's, it's, you're caring for yourself on a deeper level and you're the only one that has the ability to do that and to know what works and what doesn't work. And if you don't know, you have to experiment a little bit mm-hmm. and, and what's going to, yeah, what's going to work for one person isn't going to be the same for another person. Um, like I, I've been, um, listening to another podcast where a couple of guys who I really respect as Christian leaders are, you know, making the argument that video games can be self-care for them. And I'm going, oh, I hate video games. What a waste of time. And that wouldn't be it for me. That would be mind numbing for me. But for them, they're choosing that. Whereas I might go and sit down and play the piano for 10 minutes. And that wouldn't be the same. Like not everybody has that same, you know, draw to that thing that's going to suit their soul. So mm-hmm. I think that that really ties in with, you know, our whole conversation today, because much like self-care is a very individualized thing, sources of joy are the, are exactly the same. So like back to your story about, you know, laying on that rock, you know, the way that you were describing your experience, you know, laying there with your loved ones and everything is dark and you could see and count the stars to me that is such a joy bucket filler. I was thinking, Oh, I was feel like I was there with you. You know, it it really did something for me, but I'm not at all surprised that the people you were with had a different response. (laughs) That's exactly how this works. And, and then I was thinking, well, back to the generosity and the giving, I'm so happy for your marriage sake that the financial giving is something that you both see as a source of joy because there are so many people who have different views on things like that. And oh my goodness, the struggle that that causes when it really is like something that you feel at a gut level individually, and then your, your spouse really doesn't feel it, then what do you do? Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a conversation that each, you know, couple in that situation would have to have, but it's okay. I think that we need to know that much like self-care, you know, coming from different angles, joy is very much an individual thing. 
Mm-hmm. And it's pretty fun actually to sit down <laughs> with your loved ones. Don't tell them any of this in advance and say, okay, here's a blank piece of paper. We're all going to write each other's names on this paper. And we are going to try to guess like the five things that bring joy to mom, dad, and, and our siblings. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to hear what the answers actually are and see how many we got right. Yeah. And we're also, so we'll know if we know each other and if we need to know each other better, always a great source of joy. And then the other thing is like, are there any that we have in common? Mm-hmm. Is, is there any one that we all circled on the list? And are we making space for that mm-hmm. as a family? Are we making room for this on our calendar? Cause our calendars so often reflect our priorities and like what's in our hearts and man, life is being, you know, what it is like our calendars are filled with a lot of stuff that doesn't look anything like our joy list. Right. And it's time to kind of get control of it again. Mm-hmm. So I like I that wonder- idea. That's a really practical tip for how to do this with your family. Yeah. I think that we need stuff like that. You know, takeaways need to be practical and this one is fun. This is a fun one. I, I, if you do this, I want to hear how it goes. Okay. I think you're going to love it. And if nothing else, it really spurs a great conversation, you know? It's so, it's interesting because like without prepping my kids at all at the ages that they are, I have a feeling like it's going to (laughs) be, some of it's going to come out kind of silly. Like (laughs) (laughs) I could (laughs) think about um, a, a memory always pops up around Thanksgiving where my son, when he was about three or four, he wrote his thankfulness list. And on his list, he had, of course, like mommy and daddy, but also bunk beds, peanut butter crackers and Batman. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> thinking, now that he's nine, I think the list is probably going to include Pokemon screen time. And, you know? <laughs> so, we might have Which to do like- some deeper exploration here. <laughs> Yeah. Right. And that just translates into like play, right? Like that just translates into freedom of choice and like, just, yeah, just straight up play, which adults don't often list. And what, what would happen if we did, you know? So again, I'm stealing the show here. So if we go back to you and, and your sources of joy, do you think that play would make your list? I definitely think that playing with my kids is important to me Um, and not in the, probably not in the same, like I'm not getting out the Pokemon cards and playing the, whatever they do with that. I don't even understand it, (laughs) but uh, (laughs) like wrestling and chasing and things like that, like maybe more physical play or, or playfulness, like having a playful attitude, I think is really important with the kids for their being able to bond with their caretakers. So mm-hmm. that, that I try to make a daily thing. And that is very joyful for me as well. That's awesome. So <laughs> yeah, one to write down and when that gets implemented on a regular basis, can you imagine the gift that that gives to your kids? And then, you know, how that is returned back to you. Cause like we said last time, joy is so contagious and it is such a shared experience. Mm-hmm. And so how cool to think like you're recognizing, yep, I really do love to play with my kids and be in a, like a playful state of mind with them mm-hmm. and have like these moments of spontaneity and 
it's fun for them. I mean, it, that's probably the top thing on most kids' lists. Yeah. And when they receive what they need, it's going to come out in behavior that the family is going to appreciate mm -hmm. and really think is cool. So it, it makes for a win-win all the way around. Yeah. Um, and it, and it begins with a conversation and just, you know, trying to know each other better. And it might shock kids that play can make it onto an adult's list, mm. you know, and how fun to have that conversation and just see what happens as a result. Yeah. Good. It reminds me a little bit, uh, your kids are older, so you might not know about this, but have you heard of the show Bluey? Nope. It's out of Australia. You can get it on Disney plus and the episodes are only seven minutes long. But the oh. it's a little family of dogs, and <laughs> the dad in this family is the most amazing adult, playful character. So he will he comes up with all these great imaginative games for the kids to play, and then he actually plays with them. Versus a lot of adults who will say, "Oh, go go play with your toys or go play that game." You know, I'll be over here reading mm -hmm. my magazine or whatever. Like the dad actually mm -hmm. plays with them. And it reminds me of this episode that we watched recently. I, I'm telling you, this is so dumb because the the, the uh, show is probably meant for kids under 10 years old. But I okay. do not let my kids watch it without me because I'm so obsessed with it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it actually brings us a lot of joy as a family to watch these little seven minute episodes together. And so we watched an episode recently where the dad had two of his friends over and they were trying to remove a stump from their yard. Like a tree had been <laughs> cut down and they needed to remove the stump. And the dads were going like, oh, stump fest 2020, something like that, where they're just <laughs> going to get together and they're going to drink beer and they're going to like yank on this stump and chop it with axes and get it out of the ground, you know? And the kids are going <laughs> like, I wanted to play on that stump and the dads are just me. They're doing this boring stuff. And the mom instructs the kids, no, just watch the dads are playing. And they're like, no, they don't look like they're playing. And so she just sat on the steps and watched. And she realized that grown up men play in a different way than kids play, but they're still playing, you know, when they have their, their tools and they have their, you know, they're funny scenes and they're, you know, they're doing all these things like that is how grownups play and that grownups need that opportunity to do that just as much as kids do. <laughs> so that is the coolest thing. Just a plug for Bluey. It's my favorite show. I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> 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 there are so many takeaways. I can see why you love it. I yeah. mean, think about it. Yeah. It's, it's a fun little mental diversion. It's something you can do with your kids and yeah. you actually learn some stuff that you can talk about yeah. after the fact. And it's seven minutes long. And so Let's many good ideas for things to be able to play with the kids. So. <laughs> I think that, you know, that is actually something that could go on people's lists for sources of joy is like being childlike Yeah, play because we're so driven. Oh my gosh. We have to accomplish so many things in any given day. And our minutes are double booked, triple booked, and we never feel like it's ever going to get done. And yet, you know, when we incorporate child, like childlike thinking, excuse me, and play into that, it can make even the most challenging of days feel more manageable, more lighthearted and more productive. Um, there was a study that was done 
I don't remember the details off the top of my head, but basically they took a look at what difference joy made in an office setting. If, mm. you know, if they focused on this, you know, is it fluff or is there some tangible benefit? And they found that the people who were incorporating joy into the everyday office setting were 12% more productive at work, wow. right? 12%. Yeah. So like if, what? you know, if you do 50 things in any given day, and you get 12% more, I mean, we're talking a, a decent little chunk of tomorrow's list mm-hmm. is already checked off before tomorrow even comes because you got it done today. And so I found that to be really inspiring. And I think that, you know, in a culture that is so accomplishment driven, mm-hmm. it is really key to stop and think about fun and play mm-hmm. and, you know, work and fun do not have to be mutually exclusive. And it, you know, like a lot of people are, are trapped or committed to careers that they don't love and mm-hmm. cannot change for a number of different reasons. And so, you know, they need to think about how then can fun and play and childlike thinking be incorporated into their job that they're committed to. Yeah. Even that can be possible. My husband is a great example. So you know, I get to do all these fun jobs that <laughs> work with people and, you know, enhance people's lives and stuff. You know how that is. And, you know, my husband has the regular job with nine to five pay and overtime and benefits and insurance. Yeah. And he hates it. He has mm-hmm. never loved his job and he has worked there for going on 28 years. Yikes. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are in that same situation. And we have talked so many times over the years about a lot of that, you know, how it's ministry, even though it doesn't seem like it and how he is impacting people, even though he doesn't realize that it's not mm-hmm. official, but also, you know, just how fun and joy can be possible. And it's been so cool because lately he has just really grown this friendship with this guy at work who is very childlike in his thinking mm. and they play pranks on each other and send texts to each other and get the wives involved and in playing pranks and sending texts. And all of a sudden my husband's day goes so much faster. Right. Mm. And I, and I'm sure that he is more productive just because he's feeling better about the day. It's not dragging. Yeah. And uh, so even in a situation like that, like joy and playfulness, can definitely be present. I think though, like, like anything, there are going to be times when it really has to be a choice. It's not just going to be a byproduct and just kind of naturally occur. Um, and, and that is a really key piece because, you know, I know last time we talked about some people kind of wake up ready for the day and, you know, they're thankful and exuberant. And then there are other people who kind of hate morning people and want to punch them in the face. And so there are, there are times when joy needs to be a choice. And it's not necessarily going to be just naturally occurring. Mm -hmm. And so knowing like what we're doing here, what brings joy and actually writing it down and then not losing sight of that, Mm -hmm. referring back to it frequently enough that it becomes top of mind is really how to, to choose joy. I get really frustrated when I see all these t-shirts that say choose joy and all this stuff. Like I love the merchandise and I own a ton of it. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm on a mission to tell people how, oh, right? Yeah, they need the yeah. practical tips of yes. how to do that. Um, yes. I, was, I was just talking to a client about this recently, about how sometimes we get these instructions in the Bible, mm-hmm. like about rejoice in the Lord always, or 
rejoice in our confident hope. Like the, there's all these rejoice commands, but sometimes we don't really know how to do that or like for, forgive 70 times seven. Okay. Well, what does that look like? I need a, a guidebook. Yes. You know? So sometimes what we know to be true because it's in the word of God, we still don't know how to do it. And so people like you are helping uh, people like get the practical day-to-day steps of how to do that. Right. I certainly hope so. You know, honestly, if, if that is what people receive from this conversation or from my work, then I I'll be very thankful because Mm -hmm. it's important that there is something tangible that helps us to live the lives that God intends for us to live. And you're right. It's, it's, there's the Bible is very much the guidebook, but there are times when we wish that we had more of the how to follow the guidebook. Mm-hmm. And when the Lord gives ideas to individuals, maybe we should listen and try to incorporate some of that yes. stuff. Maybe they really are delivering his message. Yeah. Well, looking at time here, do you have like maybe one more question? Well, I guess my thought would be, you know, if you've got this list, and, and it's going to grow. I encourage yeah. you to allow this list to grow. Please don't be done thinking about this. What are you going to do with it? How will you allow this to actually help you to live more joyfully? Mm-hmm. My first thought is uh, kind of like practicing self-awareness to know if like something doesn't feel right in my body or in my spirit or interactions aren't going well with loved ones or something like that, then that can be a really good cue for me to go back to the list and go, okay, so something's off and I need to fix it. And these things have been proven in my past to um, shift me more towards what God has for me. So let's, let's try one of these things and then look at the list and see, well, what you know, for this day, this random Tuesday or whatever, like, what could I actually do? Can I go outside and observe nature and breathe fresh air for five minutes? Or could I whip up a batch of cookies or something to bring to someone like figuring out something on the list that is practical and realistic for the small gaps of time that I have to change the course of where my attitude or my spirit is headed that seems like one way. And then the other way, seems that's kind of like maybe reactive, but then a proactive stance would be like what you said to take a look at the calendar and say, which of these things don't really align with my values and priorities and where can I incorporate more uh, playfulness with my family or sharing meals with people or something that is important to me, getting out for a hike on the weekend or something like that. And actually to calendar those things to make sure they actually happen. Love it. Love it. Such a great way to end this. I think that, you know, anyone who's listening will take that and recognize how doable that just was. I think that it can be overwhelming for someone to hear this and say, I have to do one more thing. Mm -hmm. And yet what you just described is easy and, and super simple, very, very doable. And so I think that that's a great way to end this is by making it clear that adding joy to our lives is not one more have to, it really is a get to, and it's, it's not complicated. It's not time consuming. And when we make that choice, it has lasting benefits and it affects the people that we love. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a, it's like a buy one, get 
five free kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good investment. You do the work, but then it spreads. And and I think that's the other thing that I would say that in order to increase your own joy to even, if you've made a list, share your list with other people, because as you are sharing it, like, like what you noticed, and I'm sure um, you notice this with other clients too, when somebody's talking about their joyful things, like their face changes and they, their voice changes and all of that. So for other people to be able to experience you talking about your joy, that's going to spark them to consider what brings them joy as well. And then you have kind of like this expanding effect on bringing joy to your sphere of influence. That's so true. I I have a Facebook group for that very purpose. Yeah. Um, I think that it's beautiful when people tell us what brought joy to them because we are celebrating with them Mm -hmm. and then we're more mindful of finding joy ourselves. And again, it just goes back to like thinking about it frequently and, Mm -hmm. you know, making it something that, you know, like I asked you the question at the beginning and said, a lot of people have a hard time with this because they never really think about it. I would like to bring actual joy to the world by encouraging people to think about this on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. much like you just said, I think, you know, we, we've all experienced this pandemic and I, I'm not here to say that joy can be just as contagious as any pandemic, <laughs> but wouldn't it be fun to try? Like, yeah, let's, let's try. <laughs> let's try. Yeah. <laughs> try. Well, that's so good. Well, uh, let me ask you the wrap up question. I don't remember if we did this on the first episode or not, but what are you doing for soul care? I love this question. Yep. What I'm doing for soul care kind of changes from day to day. I'll be honest. I'm not the best at having a routine that I actually stick with. Um, Probably the things that I do on the most regular basis for soul care are before I get out of bed um, in the morning, I watch the video that is with the Bible app. So the story of the day video Um, I can do that in the dark. I don't have to open my eyes. I can just listen and just fill my heart from the beginning with the word of God. Mm. Um, the good news beats newsfeed yeah. any day of the week. <laughs> so that's, that's the thing that I do most consistently. And then I replay it <laughs> throughout the day because yeah. once is never enough. Yeah. So for anybody who wants to take advantage of that technique too, that's the U version Bible app. And when you open up your homepage, the one that comes up when you open the app, there's always a story of the day and they use different preachers and Bible teachers and pastors and leaders that just share a really short snippet of a type of um, devotional or exposition of the word to get you started for your morning. I'm glad you mentioned the word short because I think they max out at about three minutes. So I yeah. figure most of us can find that kind of time. Yep. Just to so. get you started. Yeah. Okay. It fills my tank from the get go. <laughs> well, that is great. And, um, remind us how we can find you on the internet, on the social media, all of that. Yeah. I'm on lots of social media. Um, you can look me up under Robin Shear, joy to the world coaching. I'm there on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm on clubhouse a lot and my website is, is full of information about how to find joy and, and 
kind of why, why most of us need to seek it. And so that is joy to the world coaching.com. And if you go to joy, the world coaching.com, you'll have an opportunity to fill out the form to get my email newsletter, which is called joy bites. And so it just helps people on a little more regular basis, keep their focus on joy. So I'd love for people to take advantage of it. Awesome. Now, now one question about all of this, you are on clubhouse every week, but you don't only talk about joy. What are some of the other things that you talk about? Well, joy is kind of the byproduct of what we talk about, but basically uh, we talk about family wins and help encourage each other. Uh, We talk about silver lining conversations, you know, finding the the good and the difficult. Mm -hmm. And we talk about helping teens to thrive. And so, yeah, joy is a byproduct, but it's not in the title. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But, but you do a lot of work for families and teens and that parent child relationship and all of that. So that matters so much to me and I know it matters to others. And, you know, if we can pour some joy into that relationship, I know that it's not going to stay there. It's going to have lasting impact. That's great. Well, I thank you so much for giving your time to help me find more joy. And then hopefully by this conversation, other people will be just more interested and motivated to do that kind of work for themselves and they know where to find you now. And so just thank you for being my awesome new friend and being here today. (laughs) Thank you for allowing me to, and being the first person who has ever asked to do this live. I so appreciate you and all the work that you're doing in. Thanks for being here with me today on the Soul Grit Podcast. I just wanted to give you a reminder that you can sign up to receive weekly emails from me by going to soulgritresources.com. I promise not to spam you, and I also promise to make you aware of valuable new resources such as podcast episodes, blogs, and more. Let's be friends! The Soul Grit Podcast is a production of Soul Grit Resources. You can find more at soulgritresources.com or on the socials at soulgritresources. You can email me at info at soulgritresources.com.